Oh, whoa. It's a cabin in the woods. We need to go hide over in there. Nah, man, I'm not going in there. It reminds me of a horror movie I once saw. What horror movie? The one with the cabin in the woods. Friday the 13th? No, the one with the cabin in the woods. Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, the one with the cabin in the woods. The Ring? Uh-uh, the one with the cabin in the woods. Blair Witch Project? No, man, the one with the cabin in the woods. The Monsters? That wasn't in the woods. That wasn't even a damn movie. Look, man, we ain't got time for this shit right now. We need to get to that cabin in the woods. Welcome to Against All Oddities, the podcast about three brothers coming to terms with the oddly true and the truthfully odd. Today's episode is an introduction to the woods. We cover a lot of ground with this episode, from full moon walks to whiskey baths to J.R.R. Tolkien. We were also fortunate enough to interview Bradley Blanche, a Virginia and Maine native and fantasy novel expert who is rumored to have been born deep within the greenwood under the shadow of an albino moose and blessed by the fae themselves. So gear up. This is Against All Oddities. kind of mean nature but i think since we grew up in the southwest virginia woods equals nature like if we were in a desert desert would be nature or the plains would be nature for us woods is nature and like nature yeah yeah like and, and when i say nature i mean other like that thing that is not us so it's like a scary place or a fun place or a place where you hide you or know. it's a place you're going it's a place to go but it's just like not, you don't belong there, right? So it's something you can intrude upon or like venture into, but you're foreign of. It's kind of like reversal werewolf, right? Like the whole idea of outside the gates of the fort, right? Like everything that's out there versus society and people inside. So that's why it's like interesting. And that's why we have so many good stories about it because once you step through into that kind of way of thinking, it's super, um, that's like where stories come from. So that's, that's did, where. It... Did you just watch the village or something? No, but I kind of, I kind of liked the village. If he wasn't such an asshole, I, I mean like, like that should have been a really awesome short movie. Oh, it was so good. The, the twist one. worked for him on one movie. Let it yeah, go. Let it go. No, nah, um, but but the actual the, the visuals of it were pretty good for the beginning of it. I have never Wait, seen that. I've never you, seen it. It's worth watching. It's like, worth watching. Yeah, yeah. It's the costume design and set design is awesome. Uh, I think Chris brought up a good point that uh, nature and wilderness, just to clarify from our perspective, is uh, the Appalachian mountains. Yeah, this is where, but you know, it it works for other people. Like you know, yeah, well, you, but we grew up in a valley. People. Yeah, in a like valley. kind of rural America. Yeah, and, and the with the uh, rivers, lakes, woods, 
but we were we were in a very small city, but it was a city. But yeah, we were, uh, but like that place is. Did you ever see that movie Badlands? I don't know. Oh, it's so good. You should watch it. Um, I guess we should do a little background. Um, our parents built their first house in Eagle Rock, Virginia, which is in the middle of nowhere outside of Covington, which is pretty much in the middle of nowhere already. Yep. Uh, I have no land. memory of it. I don't. I guess I don't even know if I was born in Eagle Rock. You you were born in Roanoke, but you lived in Eagle Rock briefly. Yeah, that's what I added. So Woods, to me, does not include our first two houses because I have no actual memory of it. But I do know that the River House was also woodsy enough that... Um, oh, yeah. I mean, there was definitely woods there. I remember digging up potatoes. We had a potato field. There I was remember... a creepy house with the old lady up above it. That right, I don't remember. Like a rich, rich house. She would go to church and give you a quarter if you didn't talk. <laughs> and, but she had like some like 1930s car, and it was like a lot of like stonework around the house that was like a 20s Whoa, rich. That's so house. much creepier than I remember. And I think she lived there, but I would I remember walking around it like just flash of memory. I haven't thought about that until just now. I have no yeah. But I remember at the original house that our parents built, I remember being terrified because it was on that rattlesnake highway. <laughs> like it was uh, not a our driveway was really long from the road, so even kindergarten or first grade or second grade or whatever, I would get off the bus and walk back to the house and if there was a snake in the driveway, you stand there and you throw rocks at the snake <laughs> until it moves away and then you can keep going up and weighing I don't know how much does <laughs> kindergartner weigh like 50 pounds like how many snakes does a kindergartner weigh (laughs) like 10 snakes yeah like 15 snakes yeah yeah a decent amount but these snakes are huge but they're awesome like have being around copperheads now uh outside of richmond i appreciate the rattlesnakes although they're much scarier they let you know they're there the copperhead (laughs) waits and hide until you step on them and then they bite you the copperhead will start I mean, the rattlesnake will start shaking its tail, and then you're like... Yeah. Mom has a story would, like, kick open the front door with a shotgun and blast the snakes that were, like, around Chris while he was playing on the sidewalk or whatever. It was Nate, and it only happened once. (laughs) I remember. She did unload. She shot it multiple times. She shot it. It kept twitching, so she kept shooting it. I remember (laughs) licking the egg beaters on the steps of like cookies or a cake or something. And there's some other little kid there and this massive rattlesnake like cruises by the bottom step. Like just was also licking the egg beater. (laughs) It could have, but the other little kid that mom was watching or something went down to touch it. And I said, stop. And I must've been like four. It's an early memory, but uh, I knew that the snakes were bad. (laughs) It was a bad snake. No, I can see Nate like hanging out with some friend in the woods and then being like that worm's got the devil in him don't you go near him <laughs> i did think that i did think that about please our dog was constantly getting bitten by rattlesnakes and her head would swell up and our school the elementary school eagle rock elementary <clears throat> did not allow uh bible study in the school right that used separation of church and state and so they would have a Bible bus pull up in the parking lot every day, and then the classes would take turns for, 
you know, worship or whatever on the Bible bus. Uh, and then so while well, mom, but mom signed a letter saying I couldn't go. So I went to the library and the librarian would then give me religious books on Noah's Ark and stuff. Uh, it was like inescapable, but I was convinced everything was the devil. I was convinced all <laughs> had possessed the dog or it was a, I remember thinking that at some point. Whoa. I don't uh, know. So creepy. We haven't even <laughs> talked about the woods yet. Yeah, I know. Okay. So I can start off with an okay story. Yeah. Woods. Wood story. Yeah, wood story. Uh, so in college, I went. Uh, I was backpacking by myself. I thought it'd be fun. It's not. It's like really scary mm-hmm. when you're by yourself. And yep. I should have brought should have brought Andy dog, but I just didn't want to be in. Honestly, I didn't want to be in a tent with a wet and muddy Andy dog for more than <laughs> one night. I just didn't want to deal with it. But looking back, I really wanted to deal with it. And there's some really creepy stuff. Like one time I went off the trail to find a stream because I was thirsty. I only had like a canteen with me. So I was always out of water. And uh, I found a stream and I was looking around and there were all these like piles of rocks about seven feet long and a few feet high. And uh, I camped there. It was so creepy. I don't know. I fell asleep though. And then another, but, but the scary time what I was thinking of is you're just alert when you're camping by yourself in the woods and I probably didn't have a fire. I just had my little cook stove that I would, you know, heat up ramen or something. But I, I didn't even set up the tent because then you have to take it down in the morning. So I'd like <laughs> crawl into the tent like a sleeping bag on top of my sleeping bag, right? <laughs> I was just like laying there with like kind of my head out or whatever on the ground. And I woke up and something was on top of me moving. And every possible creature that could be awful on top like i was like horrified (laughs) beyond horrified like there's the rattlesnake sitting on top of me or whatever and my arms are inside whatever it is it was going to eat me or hurt me or bite me or who knows or it's a goblin or an alien or something i don't know but it's on top of me and it's moving and somehow my eyes adjusted and it or i started out i didn't freak out but um, it was a mouse. It was a mouse hopping around on top of me, but it it freaked it freaked me out. <laughs> it's not a great yeah, story the... with a hilarious part to it, but it scared the ever living shit out of me at the time. Where was it's... Andy Dog? He would have hated that. A mouse. You, you couldn't take that dog into the woods. You, it's like taking like a really drunk, aggressive friend to a party. It's like he's just gonna bite stuff. Like you don't want to deal with. Andy dog in the woods because it's like maybe you have a nice night or maybe Andy takes off after a bear. The worst thing he ever did, I remember it was at the river and there was a swamp and there was kind of like a barrier or a log and then the swampland and then the beach and then the river and Andy was walking along the top of that ridge in the swamp is like the nastiest grossest, blackest pitch of disgusting swamp stuff. And he's looking at me. He does not break eye contact while he's looking at me. And he hops sideways, <laughs> one foot over into the swamp, still making eye contact. Slowly sinks into the swamp, making contact. I can see like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but I had to hose him down, and he's going to fight you while you hose him down. But he, he wants that fight. I mean, the, the woods are scary. 
I, the woods. I was. Th- I was thinking the same thing. The, the wood, woods. People in don't general, think they are, but they are. I especially do. If, yeah, especially if you're by yourself. But at the same time, I think it's because in the daytime or on a brief trip, like if you're hiking or whatever, the woods are like magic and it's yeah, majestic. Like it. Yeah, maybe you find a stream and there's these really pretty trees, or you're on a, a planned trail or something, and you're like, this place is this is amazing. Look how pretty this is. And then the other side of it is the second it gets the slightest bit dark, or if you ever, for the brief second, think you're, you're not sure the way back, it becomes immediately, like, frightening. It escalates to Blair Witch in, like, five minutes on a good night. Like, yeah, like it's, it's just an average Witch. good night. You're like, and the sun is... And then the it's, like, awful. It's like a switch. But that's what's really interesting, because it's the same place, but it's like something changes in our our relationship to it that i think is cellular you terrify me just thinking about what you do in the woods i know it's but it's scary when i do it but like that's what's cool is how often do you get that kind of scared and you're very special chris chris it's story time your turn well i mean this all comes from the one thing that i did like 10 years ago which was i was at an art residency in the middle of the woods in the middle of maine and i was i was scared of the woods and i didn't know why i was scared of the woods you know, I thought I was tough. So to figure out why I did it, I would wait until midnight. And then without a flashlight, I would walk into the woods, just off trail, no flashlight, until I got either too scared to keep going or the sun came up. So I'd go for a while. And if it got scary, I just sat down until either I was no longer scared, I can continue forward, or I sat there so long the sun came up, in which case I would go to sleep and then do it again the next night. And... It, it didn't, like, help me conquer my fear. All it did was confirm that I should, in fact, be scared of the woods. Like, <laughs> every single myth that you have ever heard of is true. <laughs> like, just, just know, know that it's true. I mean, it was also raining and dark. and I mean, it's real woods. Like, the woods in Maine are it's proper. It's not like a backyard RV. It's moose country, too. Yeah, I've run into a moose under a full moonlight without a flashlight, like, at 1 o'clock in the morning. It was terrifying. Because I also give, I lead walks with the school that I work for of people under full moons out in the woods. And like the time we ran into the moose, I was just this, with this one girl who I didn't know. And I was like, she, we were walking through the forest into this one field, which is really impressive because the full moon I knew was going to really look cool. And we get out to the field and it looks really cool. And then there's this horrible noise, like a giant growling like breathing that was the size of a moose. <laughs> like, it's hard. It's hard to explain what that sounds like, but you could tell how much air was coming out of it, that it was bigger than you by a lot. And I think she maybe trusted me too much. Cause she's like, Oh cool. What is that? And I was just like back away. <laughs> like, we, are, we are now backing. She's like, why is something? She's like, what was that? I was like, and I'm already like kind of backing and like grabbing her by the the collar. Like we are now moving backwards. I don't know what that is, but but do not walk towards that. Did it make a squatch noise? Did you did you hear any clocking of sticks? Uh, no, but I have. I mean, I've heard. I also was leading a group about five people. There's definitely a bear, <laughs> and they have no idea. I'm the only one who saw it or heard it and knew that we were really too close to it and got us out of there but it's really uh i don't know i think it's really uh it's a good exercise to do so i usually do it every 
full moon during the summer, I go out by myself into the woods. And then other, like at least once I'll go out under a new moon when there's no moon. And then it's just pitch black. Because and it's you a, just see how far you can go? Well, I kind of know. It's more of a walkabout. Like it's like three mile walk into the woods. But, you know, when there's no moon out, you just, I would just walk straight into trees and stuff. Like I'm off trail. But and how, then, how long does it take you to walk three miles in pitch black? few hours. They usually go up once the moon gets high enough above the trees. How many hours? Two or three. Depends on if it, how, you know, depends on the the lighting conditions. So uh, would I mean, you leave at midnight and then be no, back? But before that, because the, the, the it take, you want the moon to be above the tree line to kind of help you see better. So if the moon rises at say like 10, you really can't see it when you're in the real forest. You can't really see it until 11 or 12 because it's got to get above you like, like noon sunlight coming down, but it's really cool. And if you've never done it, you got to find a way to do it at some point is go deep into a forest under a full moon because the craziest thing about it is it's so familiar. It doesn't look weird. It's not odd. It's not like, oh, this is so foreign. You're like, oh my God. And like a million generations of ancestral DNA come like plowing back into your like caveman brain because you're like, this makes total sense. And when I lead people out there, they're usually like, it looks like a movie or something. Like everyone's just like shocked that it's familiar looking. And I think that's really cool. And spooky. That makes sense. I'd never thought about it, but as soon as you said it, you're like, yeah, it's... Um... Like, you close your eyes and envision, like, full moon, like, like filtering in through, like, a summer tree line, and you're walking by yourself through fields and into tree lines and stuff. Like, that's not a fake memory. You know what I mean? Like, and when you do it, it looks exactly like what you see in your head right now. And it's really... It's kind of cool. I mean, if you think about it, we've only not had electric lights for you know 120 years like this is a pretty new switch to our species that these are these are things we should recognize and i saw that last last week <clears throat> uh just at the house walking the dog yeah. at night with the mm -hmm. full moon it's so bright and once if you live out in the country a little bit you don't have yeah you much, live in a uh, light light pollution so it was a full moon and walking across the field and you have you know everything's gray a little bit and mm -hmm. lit up and I it's cool but you know a lot of people i mean you're lucky because you have that a lot of people don't know that i mean i mean i have never seen that uh and i you know it's gonna be fewer people i guess and then there's like spooky stuff out there for sure well that's a that's another problem is uh, all right, so I agree. Like walking in the middle of the woods would be like, it's pretty cool. That's an exercise that I I envy that you've done as many times, but it's uh it still seems intimidating to try it. Oh, it's because, scary. Oh, every time. Yeah, at some point you're gonna be like, just have a sliver of moonlight come through and shine on the Nordic rune that's carved <laughs> into the tree. And yeah. you're going to look up and there's little triangle stick sculptures dangling from, like, some weird gut-type string. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll raise that. You be the one to go out there and carve runic signs of the trees. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good segue into a separate woods category. Weird shit you've seen in the woods. Chris is up first because he's seen the weirdest. I've seen... 
things like uh, mass, like uh, volume, like when you can't see anything because it's pitch black, you can you can discern the volume and shape of things when it moves, right? So occasionally something too big like moves or something that is quite big moves very quickly, but for a short distance, right? So things that um, don't make sense as far as uh, kind of spatial um, awareness to a squirrel or a fox or a bear, it's just like blips of it. Now, they're probably totally normal things, but you don't know that. And it, it behaves abnormally because it, it stops or it only happens for a second. But I've also seen shadows that don't make sense. What do you mean? Uh, shadows that morph. Like, I've seen a silhouette that morphed around me, <laughs> which I would I attributed to being a ghost. But I was walking by myself in the woods with enough light that I saw a silhouette of someone, enough that I announced my presence so that they would. And when I got closer to it, it, it like, changed shape. And I don't mean, like, oh, it was a shadow and I moved my perspective. Like, it, it kind of dripped around me. Uh... It was weird. So what was the shadow on? The ground or a rock? No, or... It was a silhouette. It was like the blacked out shape of someone in front of me. So it was like Link's shadow that you were facing? It wasn't on the ground. Yeah, it was It was a physical mass in front of me. That was... A... Oh. And when I approached it, thinking it was a person backlit, uh, it, it shrunk and changed dimensions. That was spooky. I've also feel like, you know, there's two types of seeing things. There's that when you see something and when you like know something's there. And most of the stuff I have is like when you like know something is like right in front of you. <laughs> it doesn't um, make but you'll be walking, you're like, something's in front of me and it has antlers. I don't I can't see anything physically because I don't have a flashlight and it's dark, but I know something's looking and it's really scaring me. Like really like freeze in your tracks and walk backwards away from it like with the moose but for no reason true uh so i don't have anything that scary i only have two weird things that i can't fully explain and one was at dad's house on windy gap mountain those woods were creepy by the way it was weird i don't think they're as big as i thought they were as a child having revisited the same area as an adult i thought those woods were like the hundred acre woods and winnie the pooh or something yeah but dad was pretty actually both our parents were uh pretty lenient with how much freedom we got in the 80s i guess i was probably seven maybe ish and so dad had us for a weekend was like all right y'all are free to you know be kids in the woods or whatever but uh i don't know where nate was or if he was there chris was inside the house and i was just choking around in the woods and Next to a tree in the base, there are some exposed roots. And in between two of the roots, under under the ground, it was almost like a window into a, uh, what I'm assuming was a snake tunnel underground. It was a fluorescent snake. It was a Whoa. glowing green snake. But I couldn't see it. I just saw like a two-inch um, little window, and I saw it slither underground. But the part that was exposed was like neon so i ran inside that's awesome yeah and i grabbed chris i said dude there's a snake it's glowing it is under the tree and it is a glowing snake and we were like oh that's cool let's go and then like we both ran into the woods and of course there is nothing there 
Yeah. And so we got sticks and spent maybe 10, 15 minutes digging out every little hole and nook and cranny in the woods. Nothing. I just and, remember running around those woods, and you and I would take all the crunch berries out of Captain Crunch with crunch berries and just eat crunch berries <laughs> like a <laughs> like a like a like a sandwich baggie full of crunch berries that we stole. Not there was no such thing as oops all crunch berries back then. We had to make our own oops all crunch oh, yeah. berries. <laughs> Wait, is that, a thing? is that a thing? Oops all, oops crunch, all crunch berries is real. Yes. I think they realized that there were kids nationwide stealing only crunch berries out of the box and leaving. That's the weakest one to steal, dude. That's not like a marshmallow, like, elephant that she, like, still at 17 will beg for some Lucky Charms. And then I'm like, oh, Lucky Charms, there's not a goddamn mar- marshmallow in that box. <laughs> Well, because we can never have Lucky Charms. We would have sure as hell stolen the marshmallows of Lucky Charms. <laughs> but, but no one would Tim, buy them for us. Tim, we had to buy crunch berries. I would have gotten 60% of the, or 70% of the, the marshmallows. Chris, you would have gotten the other 30. And Tim would have been stuck with the cereal. I wouldn't have known there were marshmallows. <laughs> no, but it's not that charm. good. It's not that good. I just don't see why why you like Lucky Charms so much. It's just cereal. Frosted charms. The uh, the cereal technology nowadays is crazy, though. I say technology, but um, you can buy a bag of just the marshmallows. They no. have like that's yeah. Uh, you can well, get uh, the obesity in the U.S. right now. <laughs> like, you can get Fruit Loops with marshmallows in it. You can yeah. get Captain Crunch with marshmallows in it. You could get Cocoa Pebbles with marshmallows. We don't have- why don't we have like the Kellogg's pyramid, food pyramid, <laughs> like ultra capitalism, <laughs> like Kellogg's? What's the other cereal brand? Post. Post, yeah, the Post. General Kel- Mills. <laughs> yeah, you have your marshmallow layer on the pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> the pyramid's made out of marshmallow layers, <laughs> followed by the pebbles layer. <laughs> honey underneath it, like, and then have like the honey smacks bear or whatever. But the problem with Honey Smacks that that box sits too long is it became becomes one giant smack. <laughs> I remember punching it. That's I think that's why they called it Smacks because if you didn't eat it for like a week, it would congeal together into a giant brick of smack. But if you if you literally smack the side of the box, it would turn into cereal again. <laughs> now I would actually argue that this like offshoot conversation of cereal is not unconnected to the woods because as a kid, anytime we would go camping in the backyard or anything, I always just would use as an excuse to eat cereal all night until I got tired of eating cereal and then would come in. Like, we would be allowed to take cereal into the backyard if we were going to sleep out there. Like, yeah, it was like part trail of the, mix. Yeah, it's part of the deal. We, trail mix. A bowl of whatever, like, smacks in the backyard. It was just an excuse so I could eat smacks all night. And then around 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd be like, I'm tired of camping. <laughs> it's really because I'm sick of eating cereal all night. <laughs> I'm carb loaded. Do you remember that, Nate? I remember camping with you in that backyard at the, in Roanoke, the first house. I remember there was a – and you and a friend, Tim maybe. Not Tim brother, but another person. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Kid. I feel like there's another kid, Tim. Yeah. Uh, like, he was like a troublemaker, and the two of you were camping outside once. I mean, by elementary school standards. I can't remember his last name. And then I went out, I was allowed to camp with you guys, which basically meant sleep in the roots of a tree without sleeping bag with a box of cereal. <laughs> <laughs> the word, you know what, I think 
thinking of like camping, and that that's almost its own episode. Camping because we all like camping, right? Yeah. We also, uh, we could talk about whiskey bath for the twentieth time for like. No, we don't need to go in. So I think we we all separate that into like drunken bro camping and then like woods with automatic like, weapons. Camping. Yeah. Or yeah, weapons camp. That's a whole other thing, right? But the uh <clears throat> the worst hell on earth, right, for me <laughs> is having roasting marshmallows on a fire and then getting marshmallow sticky stuff all over your oh, finger. You, yeah, you and can't get it off. Ashes and dirt on that on that marshmallow <laughs> and you can't get it and there are no wet ones there's no there's precious little water and maybe you only have like some fruit punch you could possibly try to wash it off with uh okay we can backtrack about five minutes the second scary thing before we go into chris's millions of scary wood stories i'm not even including nate's house as a whole which is a scary wood story uh because that's all on our ghost episode but it actually happened recently because I started running again and in order to avoid uh, taking up too much family time, I leave on my long runs at like 5 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning and it's it's dark, it's nighttime. I have a headlight on so I can see where I'm going and it is through the a wooded area but I kept getting this feeling like I was being watched so I stopped and then turned around, and I have uh, headphones, so I took my headphones out. I turned my music off, and I heard, like, a deer running through the woods. I was like, okay, I'm, I have a sense that I'm being watched because a deer is running through the woods. It sure. Scary. I don't know. Something was around me. That makes sense. So I turned around, and maybe 15, 20 yards in front of me, a tree had fallen down. There Whoa. was no deer. That was the tree falling that i heard missing you yeah yeah it was crazy and it wasn't a small tree it was thin it was probably uh maybe a foot in diameter but it was maybe 25 30 feet tall it's the green what's the nickel version of the green man um i mean i'm not an expert but it's it's like uh comes out of like british folklore uh it and it kind of changes the green man changes throughout the centuries um but you know, some people would say that it's like a druid thing. And then, you know, in the 19th century, it turned into this whole pan thing where it was it was like the god pan was the green man. It's basically a forest god, kind of like a Bacchus character. Yeah, I kept which calling is, him Labyrinth, but it's totally Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, and so Bacchus, the green man. These, He's got these, like, like a leafy face and sculptures. Yeah, it depends on what period, if it's Victorian or later. Um, but it's kind of like a, it's kind of represents this kind of masculine energy in the forest. Of it's like a trickster god. It's a bacchan, a bacchan, a bacchanalian kind of, you it's know. Also, also growth and renewal, right? Like, oh yeah, like I mean, I'd say that like the Vikings had a version of it. I mean, there's like it's like a, it's an, it's like a, what's it called? An archetype. You know, it's it's a it's a the idea of god of the forests uh, but the same general idea has been across multiple cultures at different times yeah and it changes in popularity i mean right now most people refer to like the the green the green man or the green god as Serenos, which is a, a from the first century in like western europe gaul 
So like, and that would be where you first see this horned man who is kind of the god of the hunt, the god of the woods. Uh, it's a kind of a masculine archetype of like forest energy. And that was taken over by like Wicca. So there's this whole thing with like Wiccan groups now where they're like the male side of the like a, the dual gods, like the feminine god and the male god. The, the the male version is the the green god. But but that's like a that's like a take on the green. Like that's like out of the 1950s. Like Wicca came from 1950. Like from I like Garden. how Chris was like, I don't really know anything about this, but let well, me go I'm, full I'm like, Mulder I'm like on you. Like I'm not, I'm not like an expert. I just know that, uh, like I'm, I, you know, Serenus, which is like kind of one of our ancestors, would probably know a lot about him. Pre-Christian forest deity that is about like hunting, um, fertility. But uh, but you see that around. You see that through different cultures and. And what we most know, like the Victorian version, like the viney face stuff comes from kind of British kind of fairy lore, uh, like the the folk tales of England and stuff, like the, the secret commonwealth, like that that kind of uh, folklore. Fairy lore was my nickname you in high school. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you invoke, do you invoke the green man or is he just... It, well, there's a whole thing where you invoke the... the it's called invoking the great god pan it's like it's very kind of it's like fun it's like a yeah you would in that's that's a whole thing i i mean even even in that what was that tv show that we kind of watched that documentary hellier it's not yeah. good don't watch it but the documentary ends with them all invoking the pan invoking the god pan and <clears throat> a because that's what they felt they were supposed to do the whole time and that comes from like ceremonial magic uh, out of england like the idea of invoking um a force through like a ritual so that's all like 19th century british stuff that's a, but that's you another know, take on woods too is like uh, is, we've been yeah. like not just the natural side or the the druidic side of things but the more like tolkien side of things or fairy side of things yeah i mean that's there's this uh there's a i like i i'm in a wow that's a whole nother segue like i i'm in a art team it was like me and one other person called i'm here now what and our whole thing is we go to the middle of nowhere woods because that's something we're interested in like the concept of nature as artists and like we built a stage and it, the 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 project is called i'm here now what and it's like she and i my friend lily go to the stage and it's like all right we're here now what do we do and so we would do these like one like these different sketches to like entertain the woods or like, like I dressed up as a fawn and, and learned how to line dance or like she would do a bunch of, like she dressed up as like a cover of a romance novel and like was like holding the wood. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. I'm here now. What dot info. Okay. So that's, that's the thing. Like I'm talking about, I went running and a tree fell down and you were spending hours and hours planning and dressing and making costumes to entertain the woods because <laughs> this is like a I mean, lifestyle for you. It's like, it is. I mean, I work in rural Maine for three months out of the, every year. So like, it's just like a part of the, and, and the you every... walk into the woods in the middle of the night, just because you're afraid of it, just to face whatever, whatever's there in the woods. That's why I feel like you have hours and hours and hours of content that maybe <laughs> you're, you're just holding content. back. Like, on. I was talking about the, the cereal because it's like kind of, it uh it tempers 
the pretentiousness of me having a performance art group that co confronts like what it is to be in in front of nature. Did you um, film that? Yeah, you should go to I'm here now what.info. It's I mean it's all humorous. It's like it's all really funny stuff. We can't talk about the woods as serious as it's been with all these exciting things without talking about camping because all of us have camped a million times. That's true. And I feel like a really good camping story and even woods in general, we need to involve a Blanche and a good Blanche to involve would be Brad Blanche of the, of the 600 of them. <laughs> we, it's like a Pokemon. We choose Brad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was a perfect sound, Brad. All right, yeah, so Brad, why don't you uh, there. why don't you you introduce yourself, Brad? I am Brad Blanche. So anyway, Brad, why do you know about the woods? I, I mean, I don't do a whole lot of woodsy stuff these days. You know, I've done you know when we went camping and stuff is the most I've done recently. Well, hunting, do a lot of hunting in the woods and whatnot. Yeah. But um, growing up, man, we used to go camping in the woods and everything else. I mean, where did you grow up? Up and down the East Coast, more or less, but, I mean, in Powhatan were a lot of my memorable years. Um, what is Powhatan? Powhatan. Powhatan's, let's see, middle west. Middle of nowhere, Virginia. Yeah, middle of nowhere. Yeah, west of uh, Richmond. And uh, we had a farm. We lived on a farm. Old slave plantation. Mm -hmm. And um, there was actually several buildings. One of the buildings had to be burned down before we moved in because it was condemned. Serious ghost issues there. And, yeah. uh, but we had, uh, 800 acres. That Holy able, yeah. Crap. Awesome. We rented and, um, you rented 800 yeah. acres. Yeah. Mom and dad <laughs> rented 800 acre farm. That is eight Winnie the Pooh, hundred acre woods. Like, <laughs> only two of the Blanches would have had to share your hundred acre woods with your pet animals and stuff. The rest of you had your own utopia. That's crazy. Huge. Yeah, it was definitely huge. We, I mean, honestly, had a lot of great memories from there. Um, we've had a like a lot of funny stuff from that. This topic. was before Maine. This was before Maine. Yeah. So this is when uh, I want to say I was like seven or eight when I moved there. We should have we should have thought to think of some questions to ask you about the woods. Well, no, we have me and Nate have one question. Yes, but it's uh, not yeah, woods ahead. related. Okay, it is uh, woods related. It's a hundred percent woods related. All right, but it go, is. Woods go related. ahead. Okay, yeah, so Brad, ask. we, me and Nate, are going to try our hardest not to interrupt you, but from your own memory, to the best of your ability, please describe to Chris, who is completely ignorant on this subject, what a whiskey bass is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have oh, no oh, idea what bad. they're talking about, Brad. All right, you were you weren't there. No, no, you weren't there during that one. All right, so we went camping. It's yeah. Park Washington National Forest, right Correct. near uh, what is it, Red Red Knob or something like that? Or even if anybody doesn't know what it is, it's the top of a fucking mountain. It's literally, literally the top of a mountain. It's beautiful. We love it. Yeah, we it's try great. To get the top spot anytime we go up there. We should go back. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we went up there, and if I'm not mistaken, was that the time? Yeah, it was definitely the time. So it was kind of cold out. We were all sitting around the fire one night, like the night before we were getting ready to leave. And somehow I got into Maker's Mark. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I started 
drinking a lot of it. Literally, like, probably darn near the whole bottle. We had no water. So, like, I couldn't drink. Oh. It was we, awful. We would have had beer, hot dogs, and George Dickel. Yes. And nothing else. Yeah, George <laughs> Dickel. Oh. oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, oh, George Dickel. Ugh. And, anyway, <laughs> on the way down. So, the whole time I'm, like, parched. Like, I'm dying for water. And uh, we started, Nate, I mean, um, yeah, Nate and Tim started talking about how nice it would be if they could drink some whiskey out of, like, a bass. Like, we should go fishing. We'll catch a bass. You know, we'll put a straw in this bass. Brad, would you like some? The whole time, they knew I was, like, deathly ill. Yeah. And going down the hill, I thought I was going to throw up, like, 20 or 30 times. And they kept saying, hey, how's this bass? Oh, my gosh. It takes 40 minutes to get off that mountain. Yeah, it was awful. On a bumpy, like, like, fire trail travel so hungover terrible okay like i'm serious so, if i heard bass again i was gonna die let me uh <laughs> i'm gonna fill in a little bit of it for brad and then i'm gonna let nate take over so brad doesn't usually drink hard liquor in mass and so i guess we didn't the first night but the second night brad got hammered like and not just hammered but he got hammered by like 7 p.m so like the the, the sun was still out but the next day, me and Nate and Brad, Brad was driving, were in this Jeep driving down the mountain. And it was obvious that Brad was not just hungover, but to like the nth degree of hangover to the point where like, maybe we should go to a hospital and get him hydrated. And he's driving. Start... And he's driving. driving. Yeah. Oh, no. And so rather than support him, Nate and I tried to think of the grossest thing we could possibly think of. And that was a frozen bass. In which you take a Capri Sun Hall uh, straw. And That's a straw, yes. The straw. You poke it in the butthole of the bass and you yes. suck whiskey out of, <laughs> out of the frozen yeah, fish. You, you, you pour the whiskey in the mouth of the bass, you close his mouth, and then you Capri Sun the bass's butthole. <laughs> and then you drink the, then you drink the George Dickel out of it. That's I so want to gag this. That's still funny. Out. No, that is hilarious. But <laughs> we didn't just Poor talk about Brad. that. How do you get the whiskey in the bath? When you catch you the fish, it the... it's a large mouth bath. So you pour the whiskey into its large mouth. And then you close its mouth and freeze it. And then but the whiskey went I freeze, don't remember so... freezing it. I don't right. remember the freezing. I remember it being I remember, fresh. I feel like I remember fresh this, yeah, I wasn't remembering a whole lot of that still, but I distinctly remember <laughs> the straw in the butthole. There's this unspoken like moment between me and Nate in the car where it's like we didn't talk about it, but it was just known that we just had to keep going until Brad <laughs> contributed to the whiskey bask. And it, he was dead silent, and he was just driving. <laughs> And then after it was like an hour and a half to two hours until Brad finally turned the radio down and looked at both of us and went, well, like, I can't believe you're still talking about the f***ing bass. (laughs) (laughs) It was awful. Testament, a testament to Brad's temperament that he was to two hours of whiskey bass talk before he snapped. Yeah, he was like, I was like, waiting for y'all just to shut up, but you wouldn't do it. You just kept talking about the stupid whiskey bass. Yeah. No, it's good. Wow. You just guys, you have a dedication to humor. It's just, you know. But see, that was the Is thing. It? All he had to do was respond. 
Oh, my patience has grown much shorter since then. <laughs> much. Moving on, what do you think of when you think of the woods or the forest? And what draws you there? And, you know, why do you keep going? And, like, what's the best part of, of hunting in the fall or, you know, just being in the woods as it is? Like, what draws you there and why do you like it, et cetera? Honestly, the best thing I love about the woods, the one that draws me back all the time, is the the, the peace and serenity. Um, especially like um, every just about every year, I go up to Maine um, mm-hmm. and we go hunting up north in the northern woods. And um, I've had so many good moments up there; it's been unbelievable. What um, makes it good? What makes a moment? What good? makes it good um, is we have honestly, when I go to northern Maine, um, when we go up to the big woods, there's no phone reception period yeah it does not matter if you got the best cell phone in the world i mean you might be able to get a satellite phone or something like that but you know Mm -hmm. we don't most people don't have anything like that so it's just you you're solitary you know um one of my favorite Mm -hmm. moments ever was going up this uh spot called magic mountain i think is what they call it or like magic mountain or witch mountain something like that and uh, my cousin joe and i uh, went out early one morning we left like five in the morning and honestly um, it was so relaxing up there. Like we started drinking beer in the morning. Like I'm talking five o'clock in the morning. We're like, ah, let's crack a beer. Screw it. <laughs> I don't know if you that's know, magic. It's, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but when we went up, went up to Magic Mountain, and he stayed down in the truck, and he went down to the woods by himself, and I went up, started climbing this mountain. It was almost a sheer cliff by myself, and um, I had my thirty thirty with me that my brother had given me for a birthday present. And uh, I had climbed to the top of the mountain. I could see moose uh, droppings everywhere. It was just a light frost on the ground. And uh, when I got to the top, it was the most gorgeous view I have ever seen. Uh, I, I can't explain it. Like, I was there by myself. It was like a light by frost. moose shit, holding a gun. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's like, ready to go. Forest. I mean, as someone who spends time in the northern woods, too, I mean, it really is like a frontier, and there aren't a lot of frontiers left in America. And I don't know, like, I think of Alaska, I think of, like, northern Maine, and I feel like that's it. Outside of, like, the badlands of South Dakota or something. Yeah, but right. And that's not not fun. I have never killed a moose. However, I have assisted people with their moose after they've killed them. Um, but and like, but if you have a thirty thirty in the middle of the northern woods, are you just? Oh, my thirty thirty is my go to for most deer hunting. Is because that's just my favorite. I'm an open sight guy. I can't for some reason with scopes. I mean, you know, I don't care if things walking in front of me or standing still. I can't hit the sun bitch with a scope. So I use open sights, and that's just me. And like I said, that's my favorite gun. It's small. It's easy to carry. I had a strap on it so I could climb and still have pump action. Oh, uh, was lever it action. lever action? Lever. Yeah, lever action. Kind of like the old westerns, you know. If you haven't seen, yeah, them with and it's a brush gun, guns. right? Short, sh- short barrel. Yeah, it's a short barrel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tim and I go hunting, but it's a probably a different experience. Like so, we, uh, in, we don't in kill Brad, things. No, we're bad at killing things. But like so, Brad, when you were looking at, I think you summed it up. Like you're you're creating. When you saw the scene right in front of you and you knew where you were and you were isolated and you didn't have all the distractions i think what you're describing is a sense of awe correct and it was very much i awe. think 
And I think that's what we're missing in our society right now. Like, it, especially nowadays, everyone's staring at their computers for work and TVs at night and phone every five seconds, right? And so there's so many distractions, there is no time to stop and see the awe and beauty of the world, right? And the absolute, like, why you're alive and where you are. And I think it takes... The sublime. Right. And, and people don't experience that if with their heads down looking at their phones or in a city or suburb or eating Chick-fil-A or whatever, they don't experience the awe. And I, th I think it, it is special that people get to experience that, uh, whether it's hunting or hiking or backpacking or fishing or just being outside <clears throat> uh, and looking at the view. I think that's what's missing from a lot of humanity in our society. And I think it's very... A special thing and I, I appreciate people who like that and even if it was like in our early 20s taking a drunken expedition into the woods <laughs> that wasn't most that was at night right like that was at well in part of the day but a lot of that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that's what we were after without even like talking about i see where nate's coming from that's sort of like the uh the uh the call to the wild without even realizing that you're um looking for that experience um, you know, yeah. the I've... crazy thing is these these days it's like it's not I mean I I mean I I I look for that too and that's one of the reasons why I I like really need to continue working in Maine or something like that but uh as someone who lives in like downtown Manhattan most of the year um I find it's like uh looking at something where your eyes focus far away is kind of critical to just slowing down. So if you're like staring at a computer all day, which is what I do, and it's six inches from my face, like my eyes never focus more than like five feet in front of me. Cause if I'm, I'm walking to the bathroom or I'm walking to a subway train or whatever, and like you need to be able to look at a horizon line or do deep focus. And there's something that clicks in your brain when you deep focus that I feel like we're like, we're getting less and less of. And so there's like the sublime and like the romantic ideal of, of going and kind of having that moment. But it, and I and I think that's that's totally legit and real. But it's also like, it's gotten so bad. I just need to like look far away sometimes to try to access that because my I, my my everything is right in your face all the time. I think you hit on something very very crucial. Is that that distance? You're you're 100 correct. Because like, it kind of connects thing. to how you think about the future and stuff, too, yeah. and, like, your place in the world. Like, it some kind of, like, locates you in your body when you can see in the horizon. Correct. Like, I'm tiny compared to all this. But, like, my fav one of my favorite things to do, like, I say this to people all the time, is I love clouds. I love mm -hmm. looking at the sky. I love big sky. I love living in, like, to say, my house. I want it to be in a field where I can see mm -hmm. the horizon. I can see the clouds coming up a big storm. You know, and I yeah. think you hit on something very important is the perspective that you more or less place yourself in, you know, with what's around you. I mean, hey, looking off Brad. in the distance, you're tiny. Mm -hmm. Brad, would you yeah. – so Chris pointed something out to me and Nate uh, that I – it was new, but I 100% agree with him. Uh, would you say that if you go into a section of woods, even in the middle of the night or whenever – that you've never been in before that you feel attached to it and some sort of sense of familiarity without knowing why. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. I've been in the woods in the dark often, especially every time I go hunting my, you know, my brothers and I, my family in general, um, we were always raised 
um, when we're going hunting, we would be walking through the woods an hour before the sun would even come up. So mm -hmm. even if you're not familiar um, intimately with a piece of land, um, you mm -hmm. somehow always feel comfortable and you always know, you have an idea of where you are and where you're going. It's kind of strange. Mm -hmm. So that that's us. Now, granted, I've been lost before when oh, my yeah. brother and I moved to Maine. Like we walked into a 50 acre piece of woods. My brother and I, you know, crossed the same tree three times before we realized, <laughs> wait a minute. We're doing something wrong. Oh, I've been leading yeah. moonwalks for 12 years or something like that. St. Woods, I get lost every single time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, familiarity is like, uh, I'm using that with a lowercase f. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I feel it's it's a... not frightened. I um, feel comfortable. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it all makes sense. Like, everything, it seems. It, hey, uh, Brad, have you had any um, <clears throat> scary or supernatural things happen in the woods? Um, no, I can't really say anything scary or supernatural in the woods that I can think of brings to mind. No. So as, as I know you read a lot of fantasy literature I do. as do I, and I am in the, almost the end of the second book in the Mistborn series, yep. which involves something similar to Chris had an experience. That's Brandon Sanderson, it. right? Yeah. 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 I read the, uh, Stormlight stuff too. It's pretty, yeah. I read those. Uh, uh, involved, but they um, there's actually there's a character in the book currently that I'm reading that's like uh the spirit of the mist, and the way it's described is there's this fog or there's this mist, but there's this swirling part that's sort of like man shaped, but mm -hmm. if anybody gets close, they either like get uh some sort of pain or shock or it just dissipates. So Chris had an experience in the woods where he saw like a humanoid shaped shadow and when mm -hmm. he approached it it sort of dissipated or disappeared. Like have mm -hmm. you seen or even if you haven't experienced stuff like uh can you had a feeling had empathize a feeling. with that, yeah. Uh I can't say that I've had that feeling in the woods necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right. Hey, uh, what what were the woods near Brandywine and the Shire that um oh, were angry? Wood. Uh, Vaughn Woods, uh, I don't know about them The being one where angry. Tom Bombadil lives. Tom Bombadil was right out of the Shire. Yeah, but so were the woods. Like, there's the Shire, and then south of the... In the Shire was Brandywine, and next to Brandywine was the woods that were angry and hated the Hobbits, because uh, they got in a war... It was the, uh, not with the elves in it. That was on the other no, side. No, no, no. There's no elves. It's the one with Tom Bombadil and the angry, uh, um, the ants? Uh, willows. No, it, there are no ants in these woods. It was just angry woods that kept trapping the hobbits and steering them in one direction. And they were trying to drown Frodo and they put everybody to sleep and they trapped Merry and Pippin inside of a giant. A weeping willow tree, and then Tom Bombadil came by and like fussed at the trees, and it left everybody alone. But those those woods were angry. They they didn't mm. they didn't like hobbits. Mm -hmm. They didn't like they had gotten in a war. The woods and the hobbits had gotten in a like a battle hundreds of years ago, or a hundred years before the Lord of the Rings took place, and they had burned some of the trees. And ever since then, there was like a standoff. It's, you know how they're they're just angry. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, but what woods were those? Cool. I don't know, uh, but you just nerd leveled. Talk about Fang? Out. Is it Fangorn? No, <laughs> no, no, it's not Fangorn because Fangorn is Fangorn where I'm it. into it. 
They ran into like uh, Gandalf for the first time after he came back from the mines that's of right. Moria. As Gandalf but that's on the other side of the mountains. You're on the west side of the mountains I mean, right in now. In the Shire, it's the it's the border of the Shire <laughs> next to Brandywine. Where old I'm man trying to listen was. to Led Zeppelin songs right now in my head, like Misty Mountain Hop. And <laughs> like all the Led so they'll tell you if you listen, because that's all they're about. Is Lord of the Rings like ninety yeah, percent of Led Zeppelin songs? Tom, Tom Bombadil referenced this tree that tried to kill Marion Pippin. It was like, "Old man Willow, you stop being grumpy," and like slapped the tree, and he sang a song or whatever. And like the, was it just called like the old forest or something? Like, oh, you did. old Mary went into the old forest well, and was never seen again. Well, we'll have to look it up. And I never liked Tom Bombadil's character or the this Hobbit. Guy. The Hobbit was lame. Hobbit. No, the Hobbit. Like, the Hobbit. That was the first fantasy book i ever read period yeah me too and that's everybody's first but i when i i read and reread lord of the rings it's so much scarier and more adult like the hobbit they're like we're hobbits we smoke our hobbit pipes and we like food la, la, da, da, da. yeah like, actually almost, you know, having read lord of the rings like eight times now because when i read the lord of the rings to my son he falls asleep after a page and so 10 pages later, I, I realize he's asleep. And so the next time I read to him, I have to back up 12 pages. So I, even though I'm, I have read them, I am on the last 20 pages of The Return of the King. And I have been <laughs> for four months. <laughs> stop, stop reading The Return of the King after the the battle or whatever right no, like it's no we're, we're back in the shire he's uh he's yeah, going up to approach so the sheriff for the, the the sharky uh who ends up being saruman the hobbit is fun it's gandalf the gray setting off fireworks and smoking weed and finding a dragon's gold and stealing some of it with bilbo and then going through yeah. the woods and stuff and uh, what words were those woods were different too? Uh, Mirewood or Mirkwood? Mirkwood Forest. Mirkwood, it's Mirkwood uh, Forest. Yeah, with the spiders and stuff. Yeah, and that's but the, then that's, reading Mirkwood's the got ring. the one with the um the river that makes you fall asleep, right, or something yeah. like that. Yes, yeah, and that's where Legolas is from. Um, the uh yeah, the, those are the woodland elves versus like the high elves or whatever. Yes, yeah, in um uh. What's her face? The the main character Woods Gert, not Gertrude. I keep trying to call her Gertrude, but it's a. Uh, I'm losing points. Anyway, the. Uh, <laughs> Gert, Don't Gertrude. worry. <laughs> no, um, War of the Rings. <laughs> By the time you get to Return of the King, I can't stand it. I can't stand it anymore because it's three pages of. You Frodo looked north south of the Mirewood. Markwood forest with the mossy heather grass growing on the ground, which was exactly 30 degrees southeast of the Cirrus Ungol sunset that nobody had seen since 50 year battle before. Where, if you looked 18 yards west of the blade of grass I just described to Cirith uh, Morgul instead of Cirith Ungol, where the spiders of it's like it's 90% geography description. 10% plot. Hey, not to interrupt this awesome conversation. And <laughs> I mean, I say that because I've been learning uh, about a hobbit on the penny whistle. So I love it. I love it. I love it. The penny whistle? But the tin whistle and the hobbit. 
and well, Lord of the Rings. I don't like The Hobbit that much. Kind of boring. But uh, yeah, let's get back on track to the, the woods. woods. I had had something hilarious and awesome on point, but I can't remember it. What have you learned while in the woods? Ah, smart. Actually, I learned something about not the woods, but honestly, from Chris, you know, the perspective, the the distance mm-hmm. perspective, and how that has an effect on my overall attitude and everything. Like, you know, if I see something, like a set of clouds that are, you know, way off, and uh, or I'm stressed about something, and I just sit back and I look off into the distance at the skyline, it really puts my life in perspective um, yeah. on a regular basis. It's and like I can recognize really it. can calibrate you. Yeah. And maybe that's what's wrong with society right now, right? Like, especially with the internet and cell phones and every your life, everything is like two inches from your face. And I, I love that because no one has perspective anymore. I mean, think 200 years ago, like in that field at the edge of the woods, like you stop and you look up. And even when I mow my lawn, like mm-hmm. I feel like that's my only perspective I have if I'm on the tractor at the end of the lawn and I look up. And everything's kind of the sun's rising or setting and you can see something in the distance and it like reaches out. And that's why I love the Southwest for that or Colorado in the mountains or whatever. Sure, like sure. just being able to see, see the big sky and Brad, yeah. Brad nailed it with the big sky. And I think yeah. maybe that's doesn't necessarily have to be be that you don't have to go travel to see that. I think it can be anywhere. I was reading a book by uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a, um, a Tibetan mm-hmm. monk, and he talks about um, doing things to do them, more or less like mm-hmm. peel the orange to peel the orange, do the dishes to do the dishes, which is more or less you putting your mind in a state, you're, you're paying attention to everything that's going on around you, so you can be mm-hmm. mindful of what's going on, you know, like when you're doing yeah. the dishes, feel the dishes, feel the soap, you know, and really pay attention to everything that you're doing, and um, it really centers you, it really does. Yeah, and I think just that that horizon line might just naturally force the brain into that mode of like, because it's like it's like st- taking a step back and it's looking knocking at you back. airplane. It not, yeah. yeah. Did I tell you guys that the uh, the woods stole my mood ring? I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the peanut gallery. <laughs> did I, did I, wait, wait. Did I tell you guys that uh, the woods? only calls me ugly until it found out how much money I made is the woods must be a <laughs> until a and now the woods calls me ugly and poor <laughs> hey how many woods does it take to change a light bulb one they're efficient and not very funny <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's a wrap for woods I'm stopping recording <laughs> Yes. <laughs>